0: Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at bloomberg.com/techsf.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch.
1: And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports.
2: And Welcome back, Mr. Barr. Nice to have you back with us. You're going to educate us on all that you were doing, including, you know, you were watching some racing. We know you were um, <laughs> while you were away from us, but we got a lot to talk about for sure. I want to start with the NBA, Lynchy, if we can, because mm-hmm. you know we had the CEO of BSC Global, of course, which owns the Brooklyn Nets on with us a couple of weeks ago, John Abamondi. And, you know, there was a lot of enthusiasm, but Man, the business of sports can turn fast because you are talking about players here and you're talking about players who can get hurt. And the big three, at least for the moment in Brooklyn, is now the big one. KD is is all by himself because uh, Harden and Irving, they are down. This is obviously a big sports story. But you're talking about an investment that, at least at the moment, feels like it's going sideways.
3: Well, it's an investment, as you said. And when we had our conversation a couple of weeks ago, there was great talk about the future, what just coming up in the next couple of years, the Crown Club at the Barclays Center, uh, the e- expansion that they've done inside. That's all based on the success of the big three. And right now with Irving out and Harden out, it's the big one, as you mentioned. And they're dead even now with the Milwaukee Bucks. And that doesn't bode well for Brooklyn, for uh, all their their, their stores, uh, Brooklyn style, that they, they, they want to pump up uh, uh, riding coattails on the success of this basketball team. But if they're out, if they're out of this playoffs. There's a major market that is gone, and there's only one major market left of the of the all the eight teams, and that would be the L.A. Clippers. And L.A. is still a Lakers town.
2: Yeah, I mean, Michael Barr, we we talked a little bit about this while you were gone. Just this idea of. You know, it matters where these teams are. And with all due respect to your beloved Midwest uh, part of the country, um, you know, Detroit is a bigger market even than Milwaukee. It, you know, listen, the Bucks have a lot of enthusiasm because of Giannis. And yet, if we see the Bucks move on instead of the Nets... Uh, that's not great for, for business in, in many ways. Well,
1: let's be blunt. The TV execs do not want to see that. Yeah. Obviously, they want to see New York. And it's because you get that draw. But, oh, my goodness, the, the Kyrie Irving injury, it's – I would be totally amazed if he comes back from that. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to watch. And – uh, yes, of course. You're going to try to do everything you can because you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're going to try to your best to get back to it. But you want uh, you want New York in there, and I, like you said, uh, Detroit might be a better draw than Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, it's a tough beat uh, for the NBA. I mean, there have been some great storylines, and and interestingly, you know, the, the Nets seem to be and you know, and and I say this, uh, Lynch, you and I root for teams who are are also in the East and it was uh, who were who were in the playoffs. And it it seemed like a little bit of a foregone conclusion that we were going to see the Nets. Maybe the Sixers give them a bit of a run. um, But this could be this could be a very different look for sure. I got to tell you, an unexpectedly positive storyline, though, is happening out in the West with the Phoenix Suns and Chris Mm -hmm. Paul, who, you know, unwittingly turned into this superstar journeyman. Uh, He's been one of the most successful off the court players in terms of his investments, in terms of his endorsements. He is obviously incredibly visible in the league, uh, given his role as the president of the Players Association he now has the phoenix suns go figure uh headed to the western conference finals
3: yeah incredible job that they have done um they await the winner of the utah la clippers not a major market again uh, chris paul is a star and that's what that, that marketing has been all about in basketball since uh, magic johnson and larry bird it's been a stars game an individual's game as opposed to other sports which really market teams and franchises nba the face of the NBA is the individual player.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and so, Bar. I, I mean, I've spent a fair amount of time thinking about this over the weekend. You know that, that Chris Paul is is this really interesting face of the NBA because in terms of the the commercial appeal, literally and figuratively, those State Farm commercials, he is ubiquitous. I mean, he is one of the faces that that people really recognize. Um, even setting aside his his labor role with the league you know this is a guy who who people know who he is and especially with you know lebron uh being out of the picture with steph curry being out of the picture with these playoffs this could be the guy um who emerges and 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 Lynchy, i would I want to go a little bit deeper on one of the things you said, which is it is a player-driven league, and so in some ways maybe that will help and maybe help counter some of you know what we've seen if the Nets do go on to lose that you do have this well-known player, even though he's playing for you know a, a franchise that doesn't have a, a huge following uh, in Phoenix. Although I will say to, to argue with myself a little bit, the the travel crowd, the crowd who is in Utah. Or excuse me, the crowd who was in Denver um, last night for supporting the Suns was pretty amazing. I mean, granted they're not that far away um, from each other, but uh, I don't know. M- maybe we're going to see some bandwagon fans for Phoenix. I mean, the Suns is not is not one of those storied franchises, bar.
1: No, no, it's not. But. If you are an NBA fan, you're going to watch if you're an NBA fan, yeah, regardless. Sure. Doesn't, yeah, that point. doesn't make a difference. But if you're one of the, uh, let's say, casual fans, and you said it earlier, a lot of people know Chris Paul's face from those commercials. Yeah. So they're going to see him as like, oh, wait, is that yeah, the that guy? guy? I know that guy. <laughs> so <laughs> they'll, they'll, that's one reason why those endorsements – mean a lot obviously from the money of course but you get that face time out there and uh, that's important
0: from silicon valley to wall street the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage but what will the next phase of ai adoption look like which companies from big tech to startups will dominate and where do the risks and unintended consequences lie i'm emily chang
2: I want to talk about a, a player in a different sport who I'm sort of fascinated by, uh, who had a huge win over the weekend, and yet has not really sort in a in a different way from Chris Paul. Maybe hasn't been given his due, even though he is clearly on par to be one of, if not the best players in his sport. Talk about Novak Djokovic, Lynchy. You know, this guy is he's got nineteen. Grand Slam wins Mm -hmm. I mean he's one away from tying Nadal and Federer and yet he's always the sort of third banana part of it is his personality (laughs) but part of it is he's just been oddly this also ran and yet the record argues differently what do you make of that
3: well I think that you know he's he's A competitor. I mean, he has a a, a boiler inside of him that uh, the pilot light never, ever goes out. I, I had an interesting, come across an interesting stat with him. He is, this, of course, went five sets in the French Open. He is 35 and 10. In five set matches, 32 of those 35 wins have come in majors. And that just tells me something about the guy inside. I mean, you know, because he said there's always, when you play tennis, there's always two voices inside your head. I can't go anymore. I can't go anymore. Come on, let's go. Let's go. We can go. We, We win this set. We can change the whole momentum. And tennis, as you know, is a game of momentum. And yeah. when it shifts, it's almost like somebody like the Lilliputians are holding the other end of the court and they're tilting it. So you're always playing, you're always hitting and running uphill as opposed to downhill when things
2: are going your way. It was amazing to watch. I mean, you think about what he accomplished in, in winning the French Open. He beats Nadal, who is, I think, widely considered by far the best player ever to play on clay. I mean, he has owned Roland Garros, like the, no question, best player to, to ever play there. So he beats him in the semis. Then Djokovic goes down two sets in the final mm. Mm. and comes back and wins in five. I mean, it, it is an amazing accomplishment. And yet I feel like the the fan base and ultimately the consumer base, because we're talking about the business here, is like, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, there's not – I mean, had Federer done that, I mean, it would have been on front pages. Had Nadal done it, it would have been on front But Like, he's just not – celebrated and yet i mean he's obviously been very successful financially um so so we'll see it, it's it's a funny thing uh funny thing to think about uh can we do a beat on hockey before we move on Lindsay yeah. the islanders uh wow here they come
3: yeah they won game one against the defending champion tampa bay lightning um It has been just a fun, fun experience watching them in that old barn, the Nassau Coliseum, where they won four Stanley Cups in the 1980s. And next year, they're moving into the UBS Arena, which was shown prominently during the coverage of the Belmont Stakes with the aerials, and it's right next to the racetrack. They are going to hit their limit of season tickets at 15,000, probably today or tomorrow. It's a 17,000-seat arena, and they're going to max out Due to the success. Now, when they played in the Barclays Center a couple of years ago, that was a disaster. Yeah, thirty five hundred season ticket holders, thirty five hundred. <laughs> now, the, the, fifteen thousand and
2: a waiting list. Yeah, what does that tell you, Bar? I mean, like, is it? It's about the place, but it's also about winning, right?
1: It is always about winning. If you, unless you're in a in a and I'm using this here like a, a big name town like uh, out in the West with LA or, or New York for that matter. I mean if you don't win, people aren't going to show up. And to give you an example and if you remember now the defunct Minnesota North Stars, our, it was sad to watch the last few games there because the stands were empty and I, and I'm and I'm not making light of this, There were more fans during the COVID era here than they were in those last few games. They just simply weren't winning. The the fan base just gave up on the team. So, yeah, winning means everything. Trust me, I'm I'm from Detroit. Winning means everything. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, I think about like the the waning days of the Montreal uh, Expos and, you know, everything that that happened Uh or didn't happen there and in in front of – essentially nobody uh, <laughs> so uh all right bar tell us about this uh this million dollar race that happened in in nascar land
1: good old all-star race now usually the all-star race is held in charlotte this year was held uh at the texas motor speedway and uh kyle larson uh he held off brad keselowski and he won the million dollar paycheck now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he won Kyle Larson, the Coca Cola 600, before. And, uh, you know, he's on a tear. Rick Hendrick picked this guy up uh, after he went through his troubles. And, and anybody who doesn't know, he, he he uttered something he shouldn't have said while we were in COVID. And he was during a virtual race. And uh, he was put on timeout for a while with NASCAR. Once he came back, though, I mean, he has been on a tear. So anytime you see that five car, he's been out there. And by the way, I want to add this, too. I wanted to go back to something. You talk about Djokovic and the win in, in the French Open. That all is going to be that that, that uh, attitude that he has and that persona is all going to be shot to, the, to smithereens. When he gave that tennis racket to that 11-year-old boy, and God, that that was great. That that kid was like, "Oh my God, oh my God!" So now it's like, "You're a big softy, man." Come on. So I I just wonder if now that that's going to warm people up to, to Djokovic.
2: I think he needs to do more of that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he'll win uh, people over with one thing, but if that is an indication of maybe where he's going to head. Look, I mean, this is a guy who who has as Lynchy alluded to has sort of carved his own path he's got an incredible work ethic you know he grew up in in to say the least modest circumstances i mean war turn war torn circumstances i think is a is a better way to put it he did not grow up um like roger federer did or or even even a or, or certainly a lot of the the players in in the U.S. and uh, and yet he has just he's ground out like just an incredible career and that certainly has something to do with with his public persona. But he cares about other players. You know, he's tried to do a lot on the organizing side and you know, maybe he softens a little bit with age and especially once he reaches this milestone and maybe he feels more responsibility to represent the sport. And and listen, you know, this is the business of sports. It's it's in his economic interest to be liked. That's just true. I mean, like people, uh, you know, it's, it is one of the reasons going back to Chris Paul that, people like chris paul as he seems like this very friendly guy on the state farm commercials and, and other things that that he's endorsed and uh even on the court uh even though he can allegedly be sometimes a bit of a difficult um teammate and and competitor but uh you know this is this is ultimately a very public facing business and uh so, go ahead lynchie
3: so- so, so this being the business of sports, you're the 11-year-old boy. I've already seen uh, estimates on what that racket is worth. Do you hold on to it, or do you let it go someday for an enormous amount of money?
1: No, oh, he's going to hold on to
3: that for a while. I hope he holds will, on to it? it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think he, does he is. Too. I, I, I think it, it. I am not. I was about to go in an area. I'm not going to go there uh, because I was going to bring up baseball cards. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, man, I mean, he's he, – that was special. And, and that yeah. video yeah. was great. I, that's one of those things where if it's not on the mantelpiece, it's definitely in the attic. Uh, well, I'm, I'm reading
3: all that. kinds of crazy numbers like 25, 50, 75, and even up, upwards, too, if he if he surpasses Nadal and, and Federer as the all-time – a Major uh,
2: champion, it could be
3: worth a half a million dollars.
2: Well, maybe take a picture and make it an NFT and sell it <laughs> that <some> way. way. <laughs> How's
1: that? Yeah. This is the Bloomberg uh, Business of <laughs> Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports.
3: Mm, I don't have any baseball cards. Maybe I should get myself a tennis racket. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at Lynch
2: And I'm Jason Kelly. Find me at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. Speaking of tennis, we're going to catch up with John Wertheim. He is the executive editor of Sports Illustrated. He's the author of a new book, Glory Days, the Summer of 1984 and the 90 Days that Changed Sports and Culture Forever. He is a guy we've had on this show and on our Business Week show. He knows tennis better than anyone. So I want to talk Djokovic with him and Serena and all things tennis as well as uh, this terrific new book. And also, we're going to catch up with the chairman of NBC Sports Group. That's Pete Bavacqua. And we'll catch up with him about all things going on in media. Talk about the upcoming Olympics and so much more of the summer of sports. This could be a summer that we don't soon forget as well.
1: I know something that happened in 1984 in Detroit. (laughs)
0: Go Tigers! You're listening to Bloomberg
1: Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio Around the World and online wherever you get your podcasts.
0: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like